Today I'm discussing Cardlytics and why their current situation is very similar to when Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger invested into the Washington Post, which ended up being a 100 bagger or 100 times their original investment. Hey everyone, I'm Austin Swanson, aka 24-7, and I have been looking forward to releasing this post for a while. So just as a quick uh, timestamp, as of today, Cardlytics market cap is around 400 million. So I thought it would be helpful to look at the current situation of Cardlytics, which is a combination of you have the fear of losing chase, you have the general macroeconomic fears, you have low sentiment in the sector. All of this is leading to the low stock price today. I thought it'd be helpful to look at this current situation from a different perspective and even a different voice, Charlie Munger, to help better understand the growing investment opportunity that is present with Cardlytics. So this post is significantly less detailed and less in the weeds than a lot of my previous posts on Cardlytics. So this is great if you're new to the situation, uh, as I'm going to give a good high-level overview of Cardlytics in general, its current situation with Chase, as well as why the company's investment prospects today are possibly the best that they've ever been. This post is all based around an interview that Charlie Munger gave uh, back in late November of 2021. And so in this interview, he talks about his and Buffett's investment into the Washington Post, the one that ended up being a hundred bagger. And when I was listening to this, I could not help draw conclusions or, or sorry, draw similarities uh, between that investment of the Washington Post and Carlytics situation. At the time, back in late November, 2021, my similarities I was, I was drawing was regarding B of A, where the fear was that B of A was not gonna renew. And I thought, wow, this looks to be the same thing where there's all this fear around it, leading to a low stock price, and ended up playing out that B of A did renew, <laughs> which I did a full post about it. I gave like 15 reasons why it was likely that B of A was gonna renew, but most people you, you would talk to, maybe that wasn't as close to the situation, uh, thought, no, oh, there's no way, B, B of A's testing competitor, they're not gonna renew, uh, this stock is uninvestable. And so we're back in the same situation today where now you know Chase acquires Fig and people are nervous that Chase is going to drop Cardlix as a partner. And so once again, <laughs> it's almost like the Chase situation is similar to B of A, but both of them are similar to uh, the Washington Post or what was going on with the Washington Post at the time that Warren and Charlie made their investment, uh, which ended up being a 100 bagger. And so just to give a background, so again, this post, the format of it is I'm going to give all the quotes that Munger gave regarding the Washington Post investment and the situation, how he's thinking about it and how it relates to Cardlytics. And the order that I give it is the exact order that he presented. And so that's why if you think, oh, why, why are you doing it like this? That's why. <laughs> it's that order. And so, but before I get into those exact quotes, I thought I'd give some general similarities or kind of like an executive summary of the similarities uh, in what we'll be discussing between comparing the Washington Post investment to Cardlytics today. And so when I'm talking about and making these comparisons, the reason why they're both in present tense is I'm thinking of the Washington Post when they were, at, as of 1973 and 1974, uh, the timing of when Warren and Charlie made their investment. Uh, so when, I, when I'm talking, that's the frame of mind, not, not Washington Post today, back when they made their investment. So as of the time of that investment, uh, both make the vast majority of their revenue from advertising. You know, Washington Post, their ad distribution is in their newspapers, magazines, television stations, Cardlytics, it's in the banks. They're placing cashback offers for users to redeem to get that cash back, where the advertisers are funding that cash back. Both the Washington Post and Cardlytics have agreements to advertise to large audience or user bases. So which the Washington Post, the one we're gonna be talking about, is their licenses for television stations. And with Carlytics, it's the partnerships with the banks. Both of these companies had fear 
There was fear surrounding the companies that they were going to lose those advertising channels. With the Washington Post, it was the fear of Nixon taking away the licenses to the television stations. We'll go a little bit more in depth, but it's around the Watergate uh, incident and Washington reporting on it. And then uh, Cardlytics, they have the fear of Chase taking away their access to Chase offers. Uh, both the companies had a period of market-wide sell-off. There was all the macroeconomic fear going on in 73, 74, and now today. And both, at that exact same time, you have the individual business fears. Both companies are selling in cheap relation to intrinsic value due to those fears. I'll discuss that much more. I'll discuss all this more. Uh, both have strong competitive advantages. Both have the possible makings of a monopoly from being the only option available. Again, we'll discuss that. And one that I thought that was kind of interesting, and I had to do some research on this because there was a lot of conflicting timelines, but I think I finally got what might be at least the closest answer and makes the point, even though it's just a small detail, is that both had a CEO change. So uh, Catherine Graham became president in 1963 due to her husband's death, but was elected CEO, uh, I've seen 1972 and 73, but both of that's around the same time as when Warren and Charlie made their investment. Today, we have a new CEO change as of just two weeks ago uh, with Kareem Temzamani starting as the new CEO. So I just thought that was another <laughs> interesting similarity. Like, you're starting to get the idea, Like, and there's gonna be crazier similarities as we go along and you start hearing Charlie's uh, comments. Uh, but I just thought that was a good foundation to set the tone of like, this isn't just like, oh, there's just one similarity. There's a lot, but here's the thing. While there's all these general similarities between the two businesses, there's obvious differences, right? I'm not trying to make that these are the exact same. You have different management. You have a different environment. You have Washington Post was profitable <laughs> at the time. Carlytics should be next year, uh, but there's different financials. Uh, there's differences in the liquidation value of the assets, partner dependencies, years of business. I mean, there's so many differences, right? Uh, these And these differences will lead to Carlytics' future developments. They're not going to be the exact same as the Washington Post. However, to start, uh, these similar, there, are, there is similarities in the behavior and fear in the market and with investors. And this could help. So that was something that we saw back then and we saw how that investment played out despite those fears even around the individual business and losing large portions of their business. And we saw how that played out with Washington Post. Well, we're having that same thing happen today. We saw it with B of A and we saw how that played out. But now we have it again with Chase. And so to start with these similarities in one of the quotes, it's uh, regarding the patterns of noise or what, I've, what I'm almost interpreting this is others being too fearful. So the first quote is, uh, Steven Pinker asks, so Charlie, you investing in the Washington Post at a time when everyone else thought it was on the way down, would you say this is an example of not getting distracted by random fluctuations and keeping your eye on long-term odds? Charlie Munger responded, what happens in the investment world is quite interesting. If you look at the noise of the constant movement of stock prices, the value investors like Warren and me, in picking these stocks, we ignore the noise. We just ignore the random fluctuate or the random movements and we look for intrinsic value. But we look at the patterns of the noise to pick our hunting places for value investments. So Cardlytics has that same noise. They have you have the general macroeconomic fears, but you also have the internal fears and the pessimism surrounding the individual business. And these short-term fears can lead in general to uh, in investors selling beyond a rational point. And to me, that rational point is selling when it's when the company starts selling significantly below the long-term intrinsic value. So this can be the reason for this. Why this selling can happen is from others not investing for the long-term. And it's, it's that is one of the things in investing that always surprises me is how many people actually do not invest for the long-term. They are so worried about the next quarter and what's gonna happen and thinking in terms of quarters instead of Long years as if they're actually owning the business that is so rare in from investment managers that 
you know, they even say that they're, anyways, <laughs> I'm getting off topic. But anyways, the reason why you're having this excess selling, people not investing for the long term, you have people that are not familiar with the individual business or not close to the business, so they don't understand all the ins and outs. Uh, there's others that uh, are not willing to risk the lack of absolute certainty. Meaning, even if there's just a 5% chance that Chase will leave, there's investors who will not take that risk. They think it's uninvestable then, which is quite funny because the certainty, the uncertainty is what gives rise to the opportunity. And you just have to make the appropriate bet based on the, the actual odds. Uh, and you also have people that are coming to quick and incorrect conclusions. They see the headline, Chase acquires figs, that makes the first quick conclusion, oh, Chase is gonna drop Carlix, even though when you actually look at the facts and, what, and understand what's gonna happen, that just doesn't seem to be the case. And there's many more reasons why we can have uh, the price selling significantly below the long-term uh, intrinsic value. So therefore, not only does Munger mention this quote, uh, the idea of you know him back in the day looking for patterns, but we also have the pattern here of finding a business that's in a similar situation, which gives rise to the opportunity. You have the short-term fluctuations in price from the noise of the fear of losing the advertising distribution and the macroeconomic fears, which lead to the low price in relation to intrinsic value. And so, again, I put this in here, kind of dumb, but I just thought it was like, you know, if only there was a common saying of what we should do and how we should act uh, when others are being fearful, right? Obviously, it's, you know, Warren Buffett's, oh, you know, be greedy when others are fearful. And I would say that's been exactly what I've been doing. And I have been so greedy that I've almost, f I've been uncomfortable sharing what how i've been acting it's not just in terms of of the you know the kind of debt i'm doing and there's some other situations of of i am trying to maximize my investment in this company as safely as possible i don't want to overextend myself uh but i think at a later date you know <laughs> i'll share that so but anyways but this is only where the similarities begin so the first the next quote is regarding the makings of a monopoly where charlie says uh, they had a newspaper which was not yet a monopoly and so a cartlytics you could also say they are in the makings of a monopoly where banks looking to aggregate their reach for advertising could all eventually end up using only cartlytics and where carlos is the only solution and this includes banks not using internal solutions and so the odds of this of Carlix being the only solution, everyone just using Carlytics, have increased significantly with Chase acquiring Fig, where Fig is possibly no longer even an option with now Chase owning Fig. I don't know if banks and other neobanks will use Fig anymore. It's left to be seen, uh, but we're seeing some commentary from other banks saying that's likely to be the case. So under the, those assumptions, that's why that's one reason, and I'll get into others, but that is one reason why Chase acquiring Fig is great for Carlytics. I mean, Chase used their money to remove Carlytics Carlytics is possibly only competitor. We also have the possibility of banks like American Express eventually using Carlytics with the potential of others given the superior and growing customer value proposition or proposition to the banks. You have larger reach for more and better offers. You have product level offers from Carlytics, local offers, a new user interface with richer imagery and categorization, and uh, you have more advanced technology, a bank self-service, a self-service platform for agencies, and much more. So similar to how most cards today have to offer at least 1% to 3% cash back to just remain competitive, I believe card Cardlytics will eventually become the new minimum and table stakes for these cards. Cardlytics is not there today, but in the near future, with enough offers that users could, could save an average of 5 to 10% compared to 1% to 3%, if they could save that on average of 5 to 10%, for similar purchases, I'm just not sure how banks uh, will will remain competitive 
without using Cardlytics uh, to have this available to their users, right? If everyone else is using Cardlytics and users are saving 5 to 10% back, but you only have 1% to 3% back, like, if you can have, you know, with Cardlytics, that on, on average on, on almost all purchases, just from maybe a slight change of where you're buying from or what you're buying, it's like I just don't see why people are going to use those other cards, right? So I think you would have to have Cardlytics. And so given this higher cash back comes from advertisers funding the cash back rather than an interchange fee or other internal sources from the banks uh, and from the advertisers willing to advertise given the larger ad reach from Cardlytics, aggregating the banks uh, and their users as opposed to a bank being on their own with a very small reach, I believe other banks and neobanks will continue to partner with Cardlytics to receive these benefits and not be left behind. So therefore, it becomes less of a discussion of differentiation, which everyone always worries about with Cardlytics if everyone used Cardlytics, uh, even though <laughs> uh, you have like it's possible to have differentiation when you're using Cardlytics because you can customize the UI. The banks can select which modules in the new ad server that they want to integrate. You have the cell service for, for banks, which allows them uh, to have their own unique targeting ability, place their own offers, and much more. So differentiation isn't even a question, but I don't even think differentiation should be the question. I think it's about uh, the table stakes of that you have to use Cardlytics to remain competitive. Again, not today, but in the future. Therefore, I see that as you add these additional banks and neobanks that are trying to uh, just remain competitive, and so they have to use this minimum standard by using Cardlytics, I think as they join, it leads to more advertising reach, more data, which attracts more advertisers uh, in a place-to-place -place offers, improving engagement and redemption for users, which attracts more banks and more neobanks and so on. Uh, the next discussion is regarding the valuable distribution for advertisers. So Charlie Munger said with, uh, with the Washington Post, he said, quote, and they had a great big television stations, which were network station in very populous communities, which were total gold mines and sure to be silver a long time ahead. So the Washington Post was just a trove of intrinsic value. With Cardlytics, Cardlytics has a similar reach in end users via their partnerships with many of the largest banks, opening up the possibility for large advertising spend over a long period of time. Carlytics has near-exclusive distribution rights to advertise in the banks, which is brand-safe, bot-free, and has trusted association with the offers by the users, given that these offers and advertisements are within the banks. I mean, people trust, they have their money there, they trust the bank, so if they see an offer, they're thinking, oh wow, the, the bank is giving me that, right? They're, they associate it with the banks rather than from these advertisers. Additionally, the viewing of ads are solicited by the users. Unlike nearly every single other advertising platform where people are, are just placing the offers with their eyeballs and hoping that there's enough uh, you know, engagement time, usage time, frequency, that they can say, oh, let's just slip these advertisements in even though people are not there for them, we'll just slip them in so they hope that they, they see them. Cardlytics, people are literally going to these offers and looking at them. That's why you don't need these uh, you know, frequent, like, frequent openings or long usage time because people are, I mean, how long does it take to look at, especially if it's organized on like the new user interface, how long does it take to look at all these ads that are all organized and summarized in one spot? Not very long, especially if it's solicited and they're choosing to look at them. That's one very strong benefit with Carlytics that I think many people don't recognize. Uh, and the users are, uh, are they're looking at these offers when they're most thinking about their money. So that's just another interesting example uh, with Carlytics. But Carlytics also has the access and the ability to advertise, target, and measure based upon actual transactional data, which has great value to advertisers, which we'll discuss a little bit later. The next discussion with Charlie Munger is regarding, regarding the market sell-off and the company-specific fears of losing distribution. So Charlie Munger said, quote, 
And what happened was in the noise of short-term trading, they happened to catch the worst stock panic since the collapse in stock prices in the Great Depression. And they also hit a collapse in the stock of the Washington Post because they got on the wrong side of the Nixon administration during Watergate. And people were afraid that the Nixon administration was going to take away their licenses to television stations. So just because this is like one of those, those, this is the fear, the individual company fear that's very similar to Chase Carletics. I actually put it in, I did a little bit more research and I just found another, some more background that I'm just going to quickly read regarding the Washington Post situation. So it says, uh, Nixon famously hated the media in general and the Washington Post in particular for covering Watergate. And he is often credited or blamed for creating the climate that led to a new, a then new rule that generally bans a TV or radio station owner from owning a newspaper in the same market. The Post publisher during Watergate, Catherine Graham, uh, faced a lot of pressure from Nixon, uh, from the Nixon administration, and wrote about the threats to the post-TV license in her biography. She said, of all the threats to the company during Watergate, the attempts to undermine our credibility, the petty slights, and the, and the favoring the competition, the most effective were the challenges to the license of our two Florida television stations. So that was one of those individual, the fear of the Washington Post. With Cardlytics, you have both the similarities of the large market sell-off, again, with the, you know, the big market macroeconomic fear, and maybe even combined that specifically with Cardlytics of the, the, the individual sector sentiment being very low, uh, combined with the individual company fears of losing rights to a significant portion of their business. So with the Washington Post, it was the fear of losing the license or the rights to the television stations. With Cardlytics, it's the fear today of losing the rights to the bank channel of Chase. Similar to the B of A fears, the odds of Chase leaving to me are already very low. Uh, a few reasons for why Chase will most likely not drop Cardlytics were discussed in depth in my last post here in the Substack. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, not only my last post, but here I post uh, the 10 reasons why I don't think Chase, uh, that, that, that Chase will drop Cardlytics. There's even more, and I've, I, I think I even linked this into my research notes a little bit, but there is so many clues that that won't be the case. That doesn't mean it won't happen. I mean, it could be even, I mean, it could be tomorrow that we hear something else completely, completely different. But as of today, based on the information I'm hearing, there is no signs of that, right? People are just jumping to that conclusion. Uh, in re Just specifically, just two things I'll hit on in regards to, uh, you know, Chase building in-house offer system and regarding them focusing on SMB efforts or small and medium businesses and placing advertisements for those. There would be more room for concern if Chase didn't already attempt an in-house solution and then after decided to go with Cardletics or if Chase didn't already acquire a Cardlinks offer player who was focused on SMB efforts and that didn't work out or if Fig was, was able to successfully scale local through self-service instead of using aggregators, which yes, aggregators lead to adding more offers quickly, which is a reason why Fig went that path, but it leads to less attractive offers. Or maybe there wouldn't be as much of, or there, there would be more room for concern if there was a clear way for local offers to work within Chase at scale. If like the way that I was even, you know, someone else brought it to me is like, if there's issues, are they going to go to the local banks or the local branches to, to bring up these these concerns? And if so, who's going to handle it there? Who are they going to reach to? There's just there becomes many more questions of how this had actually worked at scale. So regarding first party data, uh, other suspected intentions have been related to Chase wanting to utilize first party data that they don't currently share with Carlytics. If true, that's actually that's great because do you know why that ma that actually matches the fact that within the new cell service f uh, platform for banks, which is called Engage. Uh, on the new ad server, Cardlytics built in the ability for banks to share data to Cardlytics and Cardlytics' system 
but with a blind mechanism, so Carlix doesn't see it, to address issues and concerns originally mentioned by Chase. It, from my, from what I, I've gathered, it almost seems like Cardlytics built this feature in the new ad server, specifically Chase, for adding more of their own data into the platform, which would then make sense if they're like, oh, we acquired Fig to do just that where Fig at least has an understanding of Carlink's offer, understands this data, what we're trying to accomplish, and maybe we can leverage uh, Fig as well for some other things as well. But again, the odds of Chase dropping Cardlytics will decrease further compared to today if Chase moves to the new ad server, at least in my eyes. Uh, Chase would not go through the time and the work of moving to the new ad server only to immediately drop Cardlytics. That just doesn't make rational sense, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. But this is why it has been a positive, it has been very positive to see all the signs of Chase today migrating to the new ad server. I've listed some um, <laughs> crazy observations within my research notes about why I think Chase is actually in progress today of moving to the new ad server. Uh, and I, I don't think they're quite there yet, but I think they're in progress. Additionally, moving to the new ad server would increase Chase's opportunity cost and switching costs, given Cardlytics would be supplying Chase uh, with product level offers, local offers, a new user interface, which this one is, I think, a really interesting aspect, is if you roll out a new user uh, interface, now the users see this, they understand it, and then you roll that back and you take that away from customers and users in the big channel, I just think that's going to be way too confusing. Uh, and I just don't think, I just don't think you can do that. Maybe, maybe Chase will do it, but like, to me, it'd be like, you'd, you'd start having all these, is it, is it worth all the trouble of people calling in and saying, Hey, what happened? I, I had this amazing interface. What happened? I don't have that anymore. I just don't think you can roll that back. So that's why it's imperative that Carlytics actually gets, you know, Chase on the new ad server, gets the product level offers, the local offers, the new user interface. And so that's why, again, that won't happen overnight, but luckily it seems as though Chase has been hiring for Chase offers and relating to rolling out these features uh, because they talk about using API connections and the fact of actually rolling out features and capabilities with Chase offers. And you could think, oh, maybe that's something else. Cardlytics, when they're talking about the new ad server, they act, they literally say, oh, banks have to roll out these features by using API connections through, uh, to access these and integrate these new modules. And so just the language between the two is almost identical. Doesn't Yes, it could be something else, but it just, it just doesn't even seem possible. And uh, again, this is also where an execution is going to be with on the new CEO, Kareem Tanzamani. It's going to be critical, right? To, to make sure Chase rolls out these features and they can get the maximum benefit possible because it just widens the gap, right? So if Chase did decide, oh, let's do our own internal solution, the bar would be much higher versus today. Right? If you have a new user interface, product level offers, local offers, and, and, and everything else, and your engagement levels are incredibly high because users love it and they're redeeming more, again, it's just a, it's a, just a much better comparison and much, a much higher opportunity in switching costs. And so again, as, to, uh, as discussed next, Carlyx's market cap is currently below what is rational, even if Chase leaves. That's something that, like again, we'll talk about here in a second, but it's like, yeah, we'll just get into it now. So the low stock price and, sell, uh, and selling significantly below in terms of value, Charlie Munger said, quote, so we used all that noise to find a place to look. Here was a time of low stock prices and panic, a place where one stock got clobbered for an unusual reason to suddenly that level. So we were using that noise to, uh, to get our hunting place. But once we got to the hunting place, we just figured out what the post was worth it, uh, if you just sold all the assets. And we we decided that the stock was selling at about one-sixth of intrinsic value. So Carlytics, uh, you, again, you have the situation that both Carlytics and the Washington Pros experienced large stock price decline. Uh, Carlytics is down uh, over 90% from their highs as of today. And although maybe more subjective, 
one could say, or I could say, because I'm the one being subjective here, that Carlix intrinsic value, uh, based on future cash flow generation, not in terms of if you liquidated Carlix today, because uh, I'm not sure, you know, what <laughs> if that that value to me would be different than what what's possible with Carlix and that future cash flow that's possible with this asset. I believe that Cardlytics intrinsic value based on that future cash flow is worth considerably more compared to the market cap today and compared to mar the difference between the Washington Post. I think you know the intrinsic value is much more than six times the market cap today, uh, even under conservative uh, assumptions. So for example, again, in my last post, I went through this in depth. I walked through some of my assumptions here. I walked through the, you know, the longer term expected value. If you just assume Chase is gone, and that to me is worth considerably more than Cardlytics today. Uh, then I go through trying to think through the scenarios okay what if chase actually does stay what is carlytics worth and then the longer term value all of them seriously significantly multiples of today's market cap it just and again this is me being conservative and here's the thing with investing right like like me making these claims versus today it's just such a large difference that it seems almost irrational and almost that i'm blinded by um uh, you know uh, optimism Right. And it always seems much more you know, intelligent to be a pessimist and call out why this is wrong. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's like I have sat here trying to be, you know, as uh, remove all emotion possible and try to just analyze the situation, talk with others, see where I'm wrong. And uh, it just it, it, it it's crazy <laughs> of what seems to be very possible with the situation. And so, again, most investors in terms of analyzing the situation, I think they stop too short in their determination of an impact uh, related to a given event. Uh, I think they just, again, Warren, was, Warren Buffett was the one who always said, you need to ask, and then what? So if Carlytics loses Chase, then what? Right? Some haven't given this enough thought based on the conversations I've had. Uh, some just jump to the conclusion that Carlytics is a zero, and then they sold. Some think, oh, it's a thesis breaker, and then they sell. Uh, some think, oh, there's gonna be too much dilution. And then they're like, oh, that's not worth investing. But what they don't do, based on my interactions, that doesn't mean that, I mean, I'm sure there's people who actually do go through the analysis, but a lot of them don't actually go through and actually reevaluate the business or, or, or determine what the actual outcome is. And this is why when I'm giving these, these valuations up here and I have the, the zero valuation, I think that's actually too conservative. And I've talked about this in my research notes and I might actually do a post on this later. In reality, if Cardlytics loses Chase, I mean, not only do you, I mean, the worst case, because really you still have 110 plus million users that you can, and there's no other option for them at this point that they can, that Carlytics can monetize. But in the scenario, maybe you're thinking, oh, in the short term, Carlytics is going to have liquidity issues. They're going to have too high fixed expenses. Well, the case isn't that Carlytics is going to zero. They don't have significantly high debt. So what happens, right? What And then what? Dilution. Well, what is that? So then people think, oh, it's too bad. I can't handle that. Well, then in what? What? What is the dilution? So I went through my research notes and I calculated what that'd be, and it's not even that bad. And it actually can be minimized because then you start thinking about the like the the timing of things. Well, what if Car like Chase actually moves the new ad server and you can monetize that, okay? Or you can actually get other banks on the new ad server. What are those short-term benefits? Can it offset? Can Carlos break even? Because by next year, you know, Carlos supposed to break even. But then it's like, okay, but what if you lose uh, Chase? Well, then can, the, if the banks go on, if the new banks, the other banks, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, if they're on the new ad server, what are those incremental benefits of going to the new ad server? Will that outweigh Chase leaving? And my answer is yes. I walked through those numbers and I might do a post later. 
so again, note, some have feared that between the recent uh, restricted stock units with the new CEO, the bridge earnout, the stock-based compensation, and potential liquidity issues that I kind of just discussed, that the, that the dilution could increase significantly for Carlytics. This has led others to not invest. They think, oh, it's uninvestable. However, if the future plays out even a fraction of what I've even these numbers, you know, these expected value calculations I'm putting up here, uh, that like those future price increases will more than offset that dil dilution. And again, I think the future is like the future outcome and the amount of cash flow that Carlos could generate are even higher than this. Uh, but I think that future value will more than offset that, that dilution. And additionally, future cash flow where Carlix remains on track to be free, uh, free cash flow positive by next year in 2023, that future cash flow could be used to buy back the stock, which incidentally was one of the reasons why the Washington Post investment worked out so well for Charlie and Warren. Uh, for dilution calculations, you can see my last post where I, where I did a few of them, and then I did some more regarding the liquidity situation if we lost Chase uh, within my quantitative research notes. Next, competitive advantages. Charlie said, quote, and it was the type of enterprise that had what they called a durable competitive advantage, which is the ideal place to find a bargain. Well, Carlytics has many competitive advantages. First, high barriers to entry from trust, social proof, and ad reach. The way I've thought about this is imagine you're a bank and you're trying to decide between Carlytics and this new competitor. Well, the first thing is trust. You're, <laughs> you have to, if, if you have this new bank that you have, has no experience, are you willing to risk it with them and share your purchase data and risk a data leak where Carlytics has 14 years of experience and has no data leaks? Like that's a huge hurdle. The way I've even thought about it is like, if you gave me, or if I was able to raise significant capital and try to compete against Carlytics, could I go to a bank and say, hey bank, uh, can I uh, utilize your purchase data with your, your users and then place advertisements within the banks? Like that already just sounds crazy, but like there's just, there's no, like you can't buy trust right? It, it trust, it takes a long time to build. And that's why it's difficult to replicate Carlytics. And so that's the first hurdle that uh, competitors face. Additionally, again, imagine you're a small bank. You're trying to decide between Carlytics and this, this brand new competitor. If all the largest banks are using Carlytics, you're probably going to think, hmm, if they trust Carlytics, so can I. You have that social proof, that validation. So you're probably just going to go with Carlytics as well. Finally, Again, you're looking for the, the the partner who can provide the most value to you, right? Get you know beyond the revenue share, which I'll discuss. You also have the fact that you know Carlix is going to be the one that's going to provide the, the most offers, the most relevant offers, the most attractive offers, all because they have the highest reach. Uh, and so again, that just you're not going to go with someone <laughs> else. It just makes it much harder when you're comparing the options where Carlix wins on all fronts. So in terms, of another competitive advantage is scale advantages, which come from their large advertising reach. And so given Cartlix has large enough reach to attract advertisers directly, it makes it such that banks that are partnered with Cartlix do not have to rely on affiliate advertising, which has significantly less attractive offers and cash back for users. Part of this is just because there's a lot smaller ad budgets with these affiliate sites. Uh, but you know, you might have a lot of offers, but they're typically lower in amount and less attractive. Uh, it's just a lot smaller ad budgets with these affiliates, uh, affiliate budgets instead of working with the, the advertisers directly. This is also why banks will have a difficult time holding off from using Carlytics in the long term. The long term, not today. While they can leverage these light integration uh, substitutes, like these affiliate content providers in the short term, given the difference of these affiliate sites versus Carlytics today, isn't too much, right? Optically, it doesn't seem that, that, too, that, like, that much of a difference. But the difference will be continue to widen as more advertisers use Carlytics 
You know, you start adding more self-service with the agencies. You start adding product level offers, local offers. Again, the difference becomes so large that it just becomes hard to avoid. Especially when you start thinking about their users and they just start spending their money elsewhere. Additionally, card lifts from this scale can provide revenue share to their bank partners. This is made possible because they ev uh, they're still able to eventually become profitable um, at scale because they're still able to learn, earn a high enough gross profit, which is revenue minus rev share, to overcome the high fixed costs that are in this business that remain fixed as you add more and more partners. But the one thing I want to mention here is these, these high fixed costs make it difficult for competitors who cannot reach this critical ad scale for advertisers uh, to overcome these high fixed costs let alone if they start trying to add rev share to the picture and they have revenue uh, or revenue, then they have to pay. If they're trying to add rev, rev share, well, now they're left with a small gross profit, which just makes it even harder to overcome these high fixed costs. Additionally, if you're a competitor just starting out, it's not just a function of, oh, you only need to get one bank uh, or steal one bank from Cardlytics. Because again, you would need to convince multiple banks to reach sufficient ad scale. So in that time, because it's going to be even harder to, you know, it's not just this, oh, we just need to get to the one bank and now we can cover our high fixed costs. You're going to have to reach, you're going to have to get tons of banks. So it's a longer period of time. So you're going to have longer burn. And again, it just makes it harder and harder to, you know, to raise that money to compete. And that's why today we see very little, if any, competitors. The next competitive advantage is that Carlix has better underlying data for advertisers. I mean, purchase data is one of the best data possible for advertising. I mean, this is the reason why all the largest advertisers want this data. I mean, actual transactional data leads to better targeting. Uh, I mean, what better way to determine what a person will buy than what they have bought and what they're currently buying? And additionally, this data also allows uh, for better measurement of the advertising, given it is based on actual transactional data, both online and in stores. Cardless can also provide true incrementality of spending, Due to, from the ads, from randomized control trials based on actual purchases, giving advertisers certainty in the results. This is one thing I just want to hit on again. I've mentioned it before, but it seems like many people, even advertisers, <laughs> haven't fully grasped this idea, which is part of the reason that Cardlytics is something they'll need to focus on to make sure you, as Cardlytics can increase the understanding to advertisers about why Cardlytics is different, you shouldn't see an increase in ad spend. But one of those things is people always bring up Oh, what if uh, an advertiser gives an offer to someone that was going to spend anyways? That is the point of the randomized control trials and seeing the incrementality. It accounts for buyers that would have bought anyways because a buyer like that or the those buyers would be equally represented in both the control, uh, control sample as well as the test group, right? If Cardlytics didn't work, you would see no incrementality. But the only difference in the test group is that they're presented an offer. And so you see, oh, if Carlix work, you're going to see that incrementality. That's why. <laughs> uh, Carlix, another competitive advantage is they have high switching costs. It takes time for advertisers to learn a new advertising platform. It takes time to gain a bank's trust. It takes time to integrate the platform. And therefore, it also, you know, given that banks move slowly, it would take time for them to remove and switch. It's also hard for, uh, you know, to switch and lose the engagement and revenue sh share from Carlix. Uh, and then the last competitive advantage that I have is that Carlix has a growing customer value proposition. Carlix is increasing their customer value proposition by now offering product level offers, local offers, a new user interface, and and much more. Uh, these all benefit the users because now they're getting more offers, more relevant offers, more cash back. It benefits the banks from higher engagement and it benefits the advertisers. It allows brands and CBGs now advertise given the product level offers. Uh, they can add images to their offers to increase understanding. Smaller advertisers can start using the platform and much more. There is also a self-reinforcing growth aspect of the customer value pro proposition from 
increases in partnerships with the banks and neobanks, which lead to more scale and data for advertisers, which attract more advertisers and more ad spend, leading to more attractive offers and more cash back for the users, leading to more engagement and more redemption, which attracts more banks and so on. This growing competitive advantage, not just a competitive advantage, a growing competitive advantage, you can think about the moats growing, leads to making it harder for businesses to uh, to compete and to replicate because it's growing. It's, it's a moving target. Leading This all, again, leads to a longer business life and more cash flow generation. I have a, a little quote-unquote flywheel here of how I've kind of visualized this in the past. But this growing competitive advantage is why I think Carlos will earn a higher market share in terms of U.S. and global ad spend. Or, or total addressable market or TAM. Hunter Bagger. Uh, Charlie Munger said, quote, and so everything was favorable. And so we just ch uh, charged in and bought $10 million worth of Washington Post. And in due course, it became worth a billion dollars. And so I just have one screenshot here of the 2002 Berkshire Hathaway annual report, which shows their cost basis was around 11 million and then it became almost 1.3 billion. Uh, so not shown here is that a, a reason for this growth is that, and Buffett's talked about this in past annual meetings, uh, was that over time, Washington Post was buying back shares. So at inception, maybe they owned around 10% of the Washington Post, uh, but in the future, because Washington Post was using their cash to buy back shares, it, that got up to about 18% of the company. So Cartlytics, I believe, will also use a portion of their cash flow to buy back shares in the future, right? So although Carlos expect to be cash flow positive next year in 2023, I do not believe those buybacks will happen as soon. Uh, new CEO uh, Kareem Tanzmani has mentioned he will, quote, take calculated risk and invest in change, right? Maybe that means that he'll start investing in, uh, uh, you know, in growth further before buying back shares, which is probably the logical decision. But this higher future cash flow over time that can be reinvested in the business or used for buybacks will come from one, there's, I mean, there's just a long way, a long runway of increasing revenue. Uh, Cardlytics current operations as is, the current tech, the current employees has immense operating leverage and could handle significantly higher ad spend and therefore higher revenue and cash flow. This could come from existing advertisers uh, who have the ability to increase their ad spend over time. And I think one way that we would actually see this is something I've actually already mentioned was is from Cardlytics increasing advertisers understanding of Cardlytics' superior placement, targeting and measure, measurement capabilities and why it should not be compared apples to apples to other platforms. Uh, then you add on bridge and product level offers that's opening up more tam again carlix needs to continue cross-selling and adding more bridge clients and then you add self-service to reach even small to medium businesses and then you can top off the opportunity with uh, you know neobanks or international with open banking again like which also between those two have low to no rev share Altogether, there's just an incredibly long runway with the business as is <laughs> it's just, yeah again there's there's also a, another reason why we'll see a lot of cash flow generation from this is that there's minimal capital requirements for that growth uh uh, additionally, there's there's potential for increasing growth, gross profits. So with the business, uh, revenue minus roughly just rev share or the, the share that goes to the banks equals gross profit. I think rev share will decrease over time, leading to increasing gross profit. And the reason for that is from the use of bridge data. So FI share or bank share or the, or the rev share is based on the bank's relative contribution of data which has always been 100%. They're the only data pretty much being used. But that could decrease from Cardlytics adding in bridge data. So the relative contribution for the banks decreases, and so their FI share could decrease, which could lead to increasing gross profit. 
This is not just me uh, speculating or coming up with some theory. This is actually coming from Carlyx saying, hey, we should see different gross profit levels. They have talked about in terms of the aspect of, you know, just bridge as a standalone business and that gross profit. This is within Carlytics. Again, it's left to be seen. Maybe this won't happen, but it sure seems possible and makes a lot of sense. Another reason why we'll see a lot of cash flow is the fact that it's not like I don't, I, I think the business has a lot of sustainability. Advertising has been around forever with no end in sight. Even better is that the advertising, you know, we talked about this, is solicited by the users. Uh, they benefit from this. They're saving money. Uh, it's going into their pockets. Again, there's also the sustainability. People are worried about uh, mobile wallets like Apple Pay. Well, Cardlinks offer still works. And even if Apple had their own, you know, offers, Cardlinks offers, again, the banks are still there <laughs> and they and advertisers can still place offers there and it's a different channel where users are still looking at those offers uh carlytics also thought ahead in terms of if, if the risk of primary transactions going to uh shifting away from the traditional banks to neobanks that's why carlytics purchased dosh that's why they call it uh, more of their insurance policy uh, and the reason for that is dosh powers the offers in the neobanks and i put a, a summary of dosh's current partnership right here in terms of the similarities and returns, because again, the section we talked about, you know, of, of Charlie Munger mentioning that this was a 100x investment, uh, we'll have to wait to see whether Carlyx will increase 100x from these levels today. Um, I strongly believe, a, you know, 40, 50 million dollar market cap, even higher, is very possible, uh, but anything can happen. A large reason for the recent price decline was first the fear of B of A not renewing, which proved to be an irrational fear where B of A did in fact renew. And next was the decline due to the next fear of losing Chase. Therefore, it is possible that the stock price could increase. Again, anything could happen, but it could increase once that perceived risk of Chase not renewing or Chase leaving, if that was decreased. And that could come from clear evidence of Chase being on the new ad server, uh, which again, there's I put in the re my research notes that there's clues of that. You also could, this could come from Chase's intentions and the use of FIG becoming known rather than people just assuming, oh, they're going to build an in-house uh, solution. Again, there's a lot of uncertainty there. There's, you know, you have the mention of SMBs, you have the mention of first party data, but again, it's still a little bit uncertain, which leads to that uncertainty. People just say, oh, there's too much uncertainty. I can't invest in Carlytics. Uh, or, you know, we could have a, that risk could decrease uh, with Chase. If Chase, you know, made a statement by uh, extending their current, car uh, current car contract with Carlytics. That's quite the tongue twister. Further adjustments in the market price could more come from the financials, such as increasing increases in the monthly active users or MAUs, such as signing USAA, given the FIG situation, because I believe USA was using FIG, or from Amex due to providing them with local offers, product level offers, new UI, the ability to share data with the blind mechanism on the new cell service, and much more. So beyond just monthly active users, you could also have increases in ARPU or average revenue per user. Again, this could come from the new ad server and the related benefits like product level offers, local offers, a new user interface, and much more. I've actually tried to quantify some of that uh, within my research notes. I might do a future post on that, but for right now, they're in my, my quantitative research notes. So if you combine those two, you know, more users, as well as user spending more, combining that on top of the operating leverage, so where you're, as you're adding more users and, and as the users are, are redeeming more, the uh, operating expenses are staying fixed, meaning all that gross profit is dropping to the bottom line, so you should see increasing levels of cash flow. It will be much harder to rationalize the stock price today uh, <laughs> if it's a single digit multiple of cash flow, let alone if cash flow is exceeding the market cap. Again, $400 million of cash flow, $500 million of cash flow is not that much. 
right, for the situation in the business Carlos built. So if Carlos starts generating that cash flow, I just don't see there's any way that the business trades at where it is today. So you'll see a change in the valuation. And again, let alone that, that you know, someone could apply, apply a multiple at that level of cash flow. But it's like, again, you have a high, long runway of growth ahead in, with high levels of return on invested capital. Because again, there's high fixed costs. You're not having to reinvest in this business. Next is Munger's uh, comments on short-term price versus long-term value. He said, quote, we didn't anticipate losing money in the short term, but we knew it could happen and we cheerfully endured it. Why wouldn't you endure it when you're getting six times as much value as you're paying for? And all of a sudden it's eight times as much value as you're paying for. With Car- I think it's been very relevant to Carlytics where I have always felt. I bought at pretty much every price over the last few years. I mean, I mean, I think I have purchase orders around $160. I also have purchases around $11. I think all of those prices will eventually prove to be cheap. Other people will think that's crazy. I do not. Um, again, as long as there's no disconfirming evidence, there's less to worry about the price declines. You should actually be happy. I mean, I mean, technically, very no uh, more equity raises or trying to you know have to raise money and then have further dilution but again that could be offset from the higher price uh, increases as well as from buying back shares eventually but again as the price decreases decreases and if the situation is staying the same or increasing which i think it is it just becomes a better and better investment which leads to me wanting to and investing more and more also i mentioned disconfirming evidence so i just wanted to i added this in here i say <laughs> and while some feel Chase acquiring FIG is disconfirming to the thesis that banks cannot do this on their own, which again assumes that that's even Chase's intention of that they want to do this on their own, which doesn't seem to be the case. But to me, that is the incorrect thesis, th- uh, thinking that, that banks cannot do this on their own. We know banks today can do this on their own. American Express is doing this on their own. Other banks uh, are using affiliate providers, uh, third-party affiliate content. But the th- my thesis, at least, is that in the long term, Banks will not use anyone else or will not be using an internal solution because to, to remain competitive, they'll have to use Cardlytics due to their much higher value proposition that they can provide, that which continues to grow. That to me, that thesis has not been broken. Uh, I say also in actuality, as the price has continued to decline, the probability of success and therefore the expected value uh, has also increased at the same time. This is why to me, it's been such an attractive investment. So I also mentioned uh, the fact that it's kind of like a mispriced bet. The price has declined beyond a reasonable amount. Even if Cardlytics loses Chase, Cardlytics is worth considerably more based on uh, you know the possible future cash flow. But the odds of Chase leaving are considerably less than most people assume. I wouldn't be surprised if most assume that there's like a 95% that Chase leaves when to me, I think it's like 95% chance that Chase stays, right? Uh, leading to a mispriced bet everyone's assuming that Chase is going to leave when in reality it's it's just such a small probability. Uh, additionally, you have a stronger competitive position. When Chase, with Chase buying Fig, Chase removed Carlyx's Carlix is pretty much only close competitor, if not only competitor, leaving no real option for the other banks or neobanks. Upon this, if Chase improves targeting with first-party data or, or small to medium business content, it will only enhance the Chase channel for Cardlytics, increasing overall engagement. People have worried about, well, oh, it's taking away of what Cardlytics could be providing. Well, Cardlytics then can dedicate more time to other initiatives rather than spreading themselves too thin across all possibilities such that the focus by both parties on different offerings will lead to a, the best outcome possible. 
Uh, and again, I believe Carlytics is improving. You got a new CEO with a tech background, both Google and Stripe, I talked about that in the last post, who can monetize and leverage that the asset that's already been built. You have a new uh, chief technology officer, new chief product officer. You recently acquired Bridge for SKU data for insights and targeting as well as product level offers, which doubles the TAM. You have local offers from using third-party content providers and as well as the recent acquisition of entertainment, which has been in now in American Express, which was the first strategic, that was the strategic rationale for the acquisition of trying to get American Express and they seem to be at least on that path. You also have the new user experience uh, that is similar to DOSH, you, which was another recent acquisition. You have all the banks soon to be on the new ad server, unlocking all these benefits. And so this to me, it's funny, you have all these things that are happening that are not, that have been built and have yet to been fully unlocked. And there was this, this comment in the 1974 annual report of the Washington Post that said, quote, on balance, while 1974 was not the best year for the newspaper division, it was a year in which groundwork was laid for the future. Seems very similar to Carlytics. Next is the only option where Charlie Munger says, quote, and we knew what the Washington, Bo Washington Post was worth because it was the strongest newspaper in a big market and was soon obviously going to destroy its competitor and be the only newspaper in the market. <laughs> I mean, I've already said this, but like the similarities here are just insane. Where you have, again, what Chase's acquisition of FIG, Carlytics has likely become the only option for banks to aggregate their reach and receive better access to advertisers and have a dedicated resource with much better advanced and established technology. I mean, that's just, it's just, a, it's crazy how similar some of these things are. Uh, I think this is the last one with, in terms of, from Charlie discussing enormous value selling at a huge discount from intrinsic value. So where Charlie said, quote, and so an idiot <laughs> could figure out that it was enormous value selling at a huge discount from intrinsic value. Opportunity like that doesn't come along very often but you don't need an opportunity like that very often. Once in a lifetime is enough. And from, and from poor Charlie's Almanac, I always, I saved this because I always like this one. He says, quote, our experience tends to confirm a long held notion that being prepared on a few occasions in a lifetime to act promptly and scale in, <laughs> in doing some simple and logical things will often dramatically improve the financial results of that lifetime. A few major opportunities clearly recognized as such will usually come to one who continually searches and waits with a curious mind and who loves diagnose, uh, loves diagnosis involving multiple variables. And then all that is required is a willingness to bet heavily when the odds are extremely favorable using resources available as a result of prudent and patience in the past. So Carlyx, to me, this is one reason I've continued doing everything in my power to make the most of the Carlyx situation. <laughs> if, if everyone agreed, this is one way I thought about it, if everyone agreed uh, that Chase was staying or more generally, if everyone else believed that Carlyx was this great business, the investment opportunity wasn't be, wouldn't be present. It is all, you know, again, it's always possible that Carlyx loses Chase or even another bank. It's possible something unexpected occurs. There are many possibilities in different scenarios that could occur, uh, but the odds are overwhelmingly tilted in the favor of a positive outcome, especially at these prices. I recognize the negative outcomes that could occur, but I'm willing to take that bet. Situations like this, they just don't come around often. So again, in closing, the Washington Post history may not exactly repeat with car with Carlytics, but it could rhyme. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this, again, I have been putting an absurd amount of notes in my research notes lately. I've even had comments on that of like, of, of how much I've been adding, but there's been a lot to add. Uh, there's a lot in terms of the chase situation, the observations I'm making, what I'm seeing in terms of the, my, the, the, the potential migration to the new ad server, uh, quantification of the new ad server, and much more. So if you enjoyed this, make sure to check out my research notes. 